707 on CJAD. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, back from Hong Kong. How are you, Josh? Ni hao. <laughs> You know, I had to throw something in. Excellent, Dan, as always, although it is uh, 8 a.m. in the morning for me. But uh, I'm wide awake here with the, with the great show that we're going to have tonight. And on today's Entrepreneur this evening, Bosco Malikic of AdGear. Welcome, Bosco. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So uh, first, we begin the program, of course, by talking a bit about uh, what AdGear does. Sure. So uh, AdGear is first and foremost a software ad product or ad platform um, used on one hand by publishers to sell, deliver, uh, measure and ultimately optimize ads um, on their websites, in their online video content, and in some cases in their mobile applications. On the other hand, it's also used by advertisers or agencies who represent the advertisers um, to buy, uh, deliver, and measure uh, ads online. Now, how long has the company been around? Okay, so um, we are about five years old now. We started off about five years ago um, actually... Um, incubating is a tiny division in uh, Cassette, um, which, for those of you who don't know, is a, is a large uh, advertising agency. And uh, just about three years ago now, uh, myself and my partners, uh, Vlad and Eve, um, bought into the business. Um, we basically agreed with Cassette that the best way forward for the business was to create an independent entity that uh, you know, we had control over. Um, and that ultimately that would that would improve the product for both uh, agencies or, or buyers as well as publishers or sellers of, of ad media. Was it? Did you find that it was too restrictive, too large of a, a corporation, too much bureaucracy? Like, would the would the service or company or or, or whatever idea that you guys had and that and the the service would it have still have flourished within that large group or really took a life of its own? Um, I think it could have flourished w within that group, but uh, I think that uh, it was more the realization that um, as a platform, we needed to get closer uh, also to the sell side um, of media um, to really enable, like to, to really be able to innovate in the space. We needed to technologically provide better tools for, for sellers as well. A lot of the decisioning that happens on the internet when an ad is being picked uh, starts at the sell side or starts at the publisher side. Um, so... Um, you know, that was, I think, one of the key realizations. And so it's not that it wouldn't have been able to exist within um, the, the agency context. I just think it would, it would not have been um, as big um, or, you know, it, it wouldn't have had the same scope um, that it has today. Now, the idea to, to start this, this service, this plan, this online business, is that something that started with Cassette, started with some of the individuals within? Where did the idea come from? Yeah, so... Uh, about five years ago, when we actually started, uh, when we decided we were going to build a new ad platform, you know, kind of start from scratch. At that time, myself, uh, my partners, and some of the senior members of our team um, were working on a proprietary ad platform within Cassette. So it was an agency-side platform uh, used mostly for buying um, and for direct buying on publisher websites. Um, so, you know, the, we've been doing this for a while, so we're, you know, we're, we're quite familiar with the space. And I think that the realization was that in order to do something big, um, we had to, um, in a way start from, you know, back up and start from scratch a bit. And we're very fortunate actually that, you know, the, the folks at Cassette at, at the time agreed. Uh, and I think, uh, they've benefited from, from the, the independence of the business as much as we have. So it was really a, a smooth exit, if you will. Yeah, in a, in a way it was. 
was there a lot of history? I mean, you you mentioned your two other partners, Vlad and Eve. Uh, I guess you all gathered or met at Cassette. Um, yeah, we did. So um, to back up a little bit, I mean, I prior to to working in in online advertising tech or stuff. So I was more in, uh, you know, my, my, my background is computers uh, and t- technologies, you can imagine. So, and actually my role in the company is I'm, I'm the vice president of technology. Um, so uh, my partners um, also have a background in technology. Um, they have uh, more experience than I do in, in building businesses. And, and actually Eve, uh, our, our president, um, was at Cassette as the result of a prior uh, um, business that, 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 that was acquired by Cassette. And, and similarly, Vlad um, was also um, working in the online ad space prior, prior to arriving at Cassette. And so I met, I started to work with them at Cassette uh, about six years ago now. Now, when you, you, you move out into your own, is this something that, uh, I guess, did you, did you have a plan when you moved out? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, I, uh, I think that, you know, maybe this might be a little atypical from, from what you might usually get. But for me, it was kind of a, it was kind of a thing that, that I see as, as you know, the, the whole independent business thing is, is a way to achieve what, I, what we want to achieve, which is t- to build a great ad product. And we think that, uh, at least I think, that's the way to go about it. So it's kind of, I don't want to say a necessary evil, but it, it, it's, it's one of the necessary things um, and, and really key things um, to, that, that I think I had to do to be able to do that. So that's kind of my perspective on, on it. Uh, and, but from a business plan standpoint, mm-hmm. did you and your partners kind of you know, attack or, or really go through, whether it was the marketing, the financial, the, you know, the, the sales, the management, the people, the human resource, uh, did you kind of go through it uh, in detail before you kind of step foot outside the door and, and launch on your own? Or was it a bit of a, a, a leap of faith? Right. So, you know, we've had, like I mentioned, the, the, good, the good fortune of incubating for, for a while and actually um, building up the, the basis of the product prior to becoming independent. So, for instance, by, by the time we did the buyout, um, we were already cash flow positive. Um, so that's a, that's a big thing. And actually, one of, one of our internal measures of success was to become, uh, as a business, um, not just independent in terms of control, but, but independent also in terms of revenue, you know, to, to diversify in terms of revenue. And I'm happy to say that you know, we've, we've been able to achieve that over the last two years, uh, where uh, you know, while maintaining um, a cassette uh, as an important customer as well. Um, so, I mean, that's, does that answer the question? Yeah, no, no, I think it does. I, I think it's very interesting that, you know, the idea isn't necessarily from scratch, but it was with a group of people, and then you were able to kind of carve it out of a large organization and make it work. And when we come back after the break, it'll be interesting to hear the, the developments of how then you build that business into your own and, and gain to the, to the 20, 30 people that, uh, that you have today. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD with guest Bosco Malekic of AdGear. 718 on CJAD, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller of Philo Landau, and our guest this evening, Bosco Malekic of AdGear. And before we left, we were talking a little bit about planning, a little bit about leap of faith versus putting stuff on paper. Now, Bosco, the, the, the ad biz, the online ad, I mean, there, there's probably thousands of directions you can go. How did you choose what direction? What was the plan? What was the forethought of going in? And how important was it to really think ahead? 
Right. So uh, you're totally right. I mean, if you look at um, if you look at our industry, it's uh, there's a there's a famous slide I think on on um, called the Luma slide that, that shows you all all the main players in in the industry, and um, it's kind of split. They they try to split the slide by kind of niche, and it's it's very you know if you look at that slide you'll you'll quickly become confused. There's so many different players doing so many different things, and some of them are. Are media players? You know, they're either buying or, or selling media themselves. Um, some of them are, are middlemen, um, and then some are te- technology players like us. And then there are some that are technology and media players. Um, and so, you know, when we started, it wasn't clear that we were just going to do ad serving. You know, we had lots of ideas, um, all in a way riffing off the you know online advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what we knew. That's that's what we knew how to do well, and and you know how to how to build a team to do. Um, but you know, as as we move forward, we found um, we found that you know one of the one of the hardest problems uh, in in online advertising is still fundamentally ad serving, uh, and and doing that well is is difficult. Um, and moreover, you know, if you look at that that slide I mentioned, there's uh, uh, only a few players that do ad serving. At their core, so they're now again, ad again. What, what's what's ad serving specifically? Pretend you're talking to somebody that has no idea right. what it, what it's so, all about. Great. You don't have to pretend too hard because <laughs> I really don't know I what don't it's know. all about. <laughs> all right, so that's when you let me let me try to simplify this. When you go to a website, um, and uh, if a website has ads on it, um, usually there's a little piece of code on that website that calls uh, a server on the internet uh, to return an ad. Um, and so the server or servers that that return that ad that actually pick the ad to serve and serve it out and then measure it um, are called ad servers. Um, and so around this space or within this ecosystem, you have a whole a, 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 a plethora of, 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 of different players that you know, will insert themselves into the ad call or collect data during the ad call or provide data to be used during decisioning uh, in that ad call. Now, what we do is is ad serving. So we connect uh, all of those players together, and we provide the tools to to publishers, so the, those people who own and operate those websites, as well as folks who are buying on those websites to to deliver those ads and measure them. So you must have, we'll call it, thousands, millions, billions of transactions that go. Yeah, well, I can give system. I can give you some numbers. Now I have to get a little technical to to give you some numbers, but I'll try to stay. I'll I try I'll try to stay broad. Um, so we do we do approximately uh, ten thousand um, transactional ad requests a second uh, right now today, um, and you know in addition to that we do several tens of thousands of, of requests uh, what we call bid requests a second, and this is because our platform in addition to facilitating direct connections between publishers and and, and agencies, also uh, enables uh, buying uh, on uh, some of the big public ad exchanges. So the ecosystem itself, the ad ecosystem has evolved over the last uh, five years or so to the extent where some of these big exchanges or marketplaces where you can buy and sell advertising on the Internet have opened up. And so much like uh, what you might see on, on some of the big financial markets, you can, if you have a seat uh, or you're using a technology platform that has a seat on some of these exchanges, you can, with that technology, listen to potent to the to the right to basically potential bid requests or, or or people surfing the internet, and use that tech to then decide whether or not you want to buy the right to show that person an ad. Now there so, must be there must be a huge amount of hardware that's needed to be to be backup to measure to to operate your business. Is that something that has 
changed over the years? Did you plan enough in advance so that you could capture and be able to grow with it? Right. That's a that's a great question. That is one of the one of the biggest challenges actually that we, that we have as a business, and it really ties into a lot of other things. It ties into how we staff, um, you know, the type of expertise that we look for when we when we hire. Um, we do run, so we run, we operate several data centers. Uh, they're globally distributed. So we have a couple in North America East. We've got one in, in the West Coast. We've got one in Europe. And so we distribute traffic to these data centers and all of them deliver ads and collect data. And, and that's, as you can imagine, quite challenging. And it's, it's even more challenging to affect change and, you know, innovate uh, in that kind of environment. Um, and so that, that really, it really affects how we, you know, who we hire and what tech we also use to, to solve problems. Sounds like uh, there was quick growth and, and a little bit of growing pains. And I think when we come back, we'll, we'll kind of listen on the lessons that Boshko and his partners learned in the early years. Today's Entrepreneur on CJED 800 with Boshko Milekic of AdGear at 723. 725 on today's entrepreneur. Our guest is Boshko Milekic of AdGear. We're talking about uh, how this business grew, Josh, and uh, four different data centers around the world. And especially in this business, uh, security is always a concern. So, Boshko, tell me about that and, and how do you ensure the security of your clients? That's a great question. So, um, you know, there's several levels to the, to the security question. And I mean, I could let me let me just talk about data for a second because I think data and especially user data and and what is collected and what is used I think there's a huge misconception maybe you know that, that the public some of the public at least has about what kind of data is collected so one very important aspect of what we do is that we do collect user data but anonymously so what that means is that we ID users as they browse the internet we don't know their identity there's no way to to go back to their actual identity so their name you know, their location, mm -hmm. phone number, et cetera. Uh, but what we do have is uh, our, our data points on those users. So we might know that a, a particular user, you know, with ID 123 went somewhere else. Uh, and that somewhere else may or may not be useful in deciding on whether or not to show that, that user an ad. Similarly, the context in which they're browsing. So if, you know, depending on the content that they're looking at, if they're looking at car uh, videos versus sports videos, all of that could also potentially uh, affect the decisioning. And so it's in that capacity that we, that we use data. Uh, now, while doing all this, we also obviously provide um, opt-out mechanisms, and our privacy policy is extremely transparent with respect to you know, what, what cookies we, we use mm -hmm. to, to label users anonymously and how they can opt out of that uh, if they wish. Um, and, and then with respect to actual security around the data itself, so uh, as you can imagine with, with several data centers, we collect data a lot of edge locations and so be, because of the volume of data that gets generated some of it gets processed at those edge locations and and gets discarded and the transactional whereas the transactional data that we use for billing purposes gets aggregated and pulled into a into a central location over secure secure connections uh, and so when we store it we, we also obviously take take the storage of the data and the the, the archiving of it uh, extremely seriously as well it sounds like, you know, that certainly with the growth and in innovation, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to switch gears a little bit here and say there's got to be a lot of research and development. I mean, have you been able to take advantage of the government tax credits in this as popularly, popularly known as SHRED and, uh, and use it to your advantage and, and keep your cash flow going? How important was that? 
So that's a great question, and it, it was very, very important, uh, and it continues to be. And obviously, as we grow, the the proportion of of shred credits that that we claim, you know, relative to the to the salary that uh, the salary mass that we have is is lower and lower. But um, especially in growing, I mean, we j just a little bit of background. So I've been doing shred uh, prior to to Adgear. I was doing it at Cassad. Uh, I've gone through several audits. Uh, my partners also have a, a lot of experience with it. So we're, we're very familiar with the program. Um, we think it's, it's an extremely helpful program for, for businesses here. Um, you know, not being venture-backed, um, it's, it's it was even arguably more important for us mm -hmm. to, to grow. Um, and and it, it actually even ties a little bit into the, the buyout itself. So as an independent business, we actually got access to better shred, uh, shred ratios. True. So that was, uh, that was a big deal for sure. And so this is these are reports you're doing pretty much on your own. You've you've gained a certain amount of knowledge that really help propels your cash flow. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, shred is something that we've kept internal um, forever with Adgear, and we take it very seriously. We actually take those documents. Um, um, it's important for us for them to be accurate. Um, and it's important for for us for them to be useful. And similarly, you know, we do a lot of stuff with open source uh, software as well. Uh, we definitely benefit a lot from from the open source communities online, and we contribute back whenever we can. And we intend to continue to do that as we grow. So, um, some of the stuff we claim for Shred uh, actually has really served to advance to advance uh, uh, other people's projects as well. I think it's great, and with the with that growth theme, uh, you know, certainly we'll come back after the break and say, well, how did you? How do people get to know that you're out there, uh, other than your your launch from Cassette, uh, and of course, you're still three partners. You got to have a shareholders agreement. You got to <laughs> get along. So I think we'll touch base on that as well. Today's entrepreneur with Boshko Milikic of Adgear continues in a moment. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur on CJAD, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you Monday nights at seven here, and our guest this evening, Boshko Milikic of Adgear, a very innovative uh, ad company. Uh, we were talking about some of their history. Josh branched out of Cosette, went uh, separate, I guess, became their own entity, and uh, are really doing some very innovative. Uh, stuff online in terms of uh, ad uh, advertising and I'm still trying to get my brain around how, how some of this works uh, it also requires a lot of good people with a lot of with a certain skill set and and it, it absolutely does and it requires people to know that you're out there I mean even before you get going with the few people uh, that you had at the outset uh, how do people know you were there where did you you know with the with the growth early on how do people know that ad gear existed right so um, a lot of it is um you know, direct relationships that that myself and my part, especially my partners, um, had uh, with with different folks in this space, uh, especially here in Canada, um, and then over time that built up um, to it extended to to some uh, relationships with with uh, folks from the states and and Europe, and in fact most of our uh, bigger clients uh, thus far have been inbounds, so they found us. Um, and we don't do much advertising. I mean, we do a, we do a little bit uh, of, of it's it's a little ironic, I, mm -hmm. I know, but but we do, B, B, we're a B two like the first thing to realize is we're 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 a B two B business. So you know, the the type of advertising we do is it tends to be very focused on folks, for instance, folks who visited our website or who who visited other other websites that that we know are are relevant for our market. But for the most part, it's been it's been inbounds. So, and usually the the inbounds, uh, at least the ones that end up uh, panning out successfully, 
are folks who are building, um, who either already have media companies or are building media companies and are looking to do something innovative in the with ad technology. And uh, because it's difficult for, for them to do that with shrink-wrapped uh, products, um, they, they come to us and, and we give them a platform that, for, that, first of all, is modern, so that's been built in the last five years. And given that the landscape has, has evolved a lot, um, especially over the last five years, um, that's a big advantage. You know, so software being malleable as it is, um, over time, if, if, if the context changes, if the requirements change, sometimes it just makes sense to, to simplify and start, start from scratch. And, and I think that's what we're providing. Do you have a goal, do you and your partners have a goal of providing a service or building a brand? So uh, primarily to build a brand and, and a product, um, that's, that's our primary goal. Um, and, and ultimately also a platform that, that powers other products. Um, so you know there, there are folks, like I mentioned, who are building other products on top of ours. And so for us, that's also, that also adds to, to, to the quality and, and I think the, the, the health of the business. Um, now around that, obviously, there's a service component as well. So we do have uh, staff that that is dedicated to to servicing the product and actually working not just you know serve, uh, doing customer support for for our own product, but also helping um, uh, our clients and partners integrate with with other platforms, inc- including other ad platforms. And so, what about the future? Like, are, do you plan on? It sounds like your your marketing efforts have have truly been kind of sit back. We we have this great group of this great network, and people are coming to us. Is there a plan? Are you looking ahead to maybe open the doors a little bit more and maybe be a lot more proactive in the marketing? Absolutely. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm here, Josh. <laughs> the, the online guy that comes on radio to market. <laughs> exactly. No, uh, we do. And, and in fact, it's one of our big, uh, big objectives for, uh, for next year is to really open the floodgates uh, with, with marketing and, and, and come up with, uh, um, it's actually to, to build the, the, the real go-to-market strategy for, for AdGear. Um, so that's definitely one of, the, one of the big things we're looking forward to in the upcoming year. Does an online business only market online? Um, well, that's uh, well, he's on radio, <laughs> so I guess uh, hope partially uh, aside, aside not. From, aside from I, I, I don't think so. I don't no. think it depends what the business does, but but I don't think so. Uh, I think it it has less to do with whether you're just online or not, and more to do with what you're actually selling. Or, you know what what the business is about. Um, so if you're selling clothing, for instance, you know, and maybe you're selling it exclusively online. I think if you have a brand, it still makes sense to promote that brand um, in other media and other channels. Mm-hmm. Now, we're, let's switch gears just a little bit. You're three partners. Are you diverse backgrounds? Do you all have the same knowledge or different knowledge? Um, I think we have complementary um, kind of knowledge <laughs> and, and experience. Um, we all do have a technical background. I think everyone in the business right now has one way or another uh, a, a technology background. Most of our staff right now are, are software engineers. Um, you Have know, you been able to develop separate roles for the for each of you? Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, I would say that the, our focus is is very different, and that's actually very important. I think in our in our day to day relationship, you know, to, to carve out some some specific roles. So, my partner Vlad, for instance, focuses on product, on defining the product, on on marketing it, uh, and developing the business ultimately. Um, uh, whereas Eve is is d- does also that, uh, but also does financials. So he's more the you know the the financials guy, and I myself along with you know a cast of of uh, 
20 now or 20, mm-hmm. 25 uh, are um, technologists ultimately. So we, and even within our little group, I would say responsibilities are, are pretty divided. It's a, I think one of the key things, at least for me, was to, to when hiring, you know, was to hire folks who are ultimately better than me at, at something. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I do certain things with technology well and other things not so well. And so, and I think the the reason for for doing that is so that you can give up more control to to other people because that's when great things happen. You know, when they when they depend less on on you and you alone, and more on the you know kind of beautiful relationships that that come out with people just bright people just working working with one another. I think you're perfectly correct. And and as we talk about human resources and the and the talent pool uh, that you've been able to put together because you know you're now getting close to thirty people from from the beginning, which was just a few. It, was it difficult to find the talent? How did, how did you find it? How did you keep it? How do you keep it motivated? Yeah, so, <laughs> so it is it is difficult. I think one of the one of the reasons is difficult is that uh, to do the kind of stuff that we do and be able to move fast and and do it at, at still do it at scale. Um, and like one of the one of the things about us and and about the tech that we write, it's not just software that we you know build and then put out there. It's software that we build, uh, put out there, and then operate. And any kind of slowdown um, that 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 could happen when you're operating a server technology like that on the internet, ultimately directly affects our customers. So it's just unacceptable. And so the challenge, uh, one of the big challenges, is being able to innovate within that kind of environment. And that sometimes requires making use of technology and programming languages, for instance, that are not very popular, um, that are arguably exotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so finding folks who, you know, A, have an interest in those languages, B, are very good with them, um, and, and uh, you know, are motivated is <laughs> it's challenging, yeah. Do you, do you extend your search beyond... Montreal, beyond Quebec, beyond Canada? Uh, we do. Um, I've had, you know, we, we currently have uh, a couple of people working for us from other cities. So we have one, one gentleman who works from a remote area in Quebec, actually a Saguenay area. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because of his skill set? Because of his skill set. Yeah, and and we have uh, another. Uh, uh, well, we have actually a small team in Toronto that mostly does uh, servicing, you know, so ad operations and and, and professional services. Uh, but one of the one of the folks in Toronto is also a developer, so he's he's actually on our development team. Um, and in historically, you know, I've tried um, working with folks who, who who are remote workers, and in some cases it it worked well, and in others it worked less well. I think ultimately it comes down to culture and and mm-hmm. you know how people communicate, whether they're in the same room or not. It is it can be secondary. It isn't always, but it, but it can, and when it is, then it it, it works well. And is that a culture that you that the the three partners are on the same page with, and have you set that from the from the get go? Oh, for sure, for sure. And I, I think not just the three partners, but but um, you know everyone in in the company ultimately um, plays ball. Have, have you just just quickly as we come up to the last uh, last few few seconds of this segment? What is you know the, you've grown you've grown from just a few to thirty. Is it difficult to maintain that culture when every time you bring somebody in or people in, how do you how do you kind of just get them to be on board, especially when they're remote? Yeah, yeah, it it is difficult, and I think that you know we're reaching we're quickly approaching the the uh, stage where we're going to have enough 
uh, enough staff that we're going to need some layer of middle management or, or something that at least plays that, fulfills that, that role. And the danger there, I think, is that when you have that layer, um, there's the potential to, for a communication to, to break down. You know, you yeah. can no longer put everyone in the same room and just agree on something and then sail, sail, the, sail the boat in that direction. Um, it becomes more complex. Um, so moving forward, you know, next year, I think that's going to be one of, the, one of the big challenges is how to do that, how to accommodate more staff, remote and non-remote. And coming up, speaking of staff, we're going to talk HR issues with Micheline from Fuller Landau, Josh. Uh, so that is on the way. 749, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. On today's Entrepreneur, our guest this evening, Boshko Milekic of AdGear. And we bring in as well Micheline Mayette, uh, HR consultant at Fuller Landau, to talk, of course, about people, Josh. And uh, particularly difficult in some cases uh, with, with you know technology businesses. You have people all scattered around the planet, uh, still into the computer screens. It's, it's a bit tougher in some cases. You know, uh, Boschko ended talking about telecommuting, talking about hiring remote people. And, and I think, Michelin, uh, maybe you can enlighten us on a little bit of the challenges or, or what you feel is, are the important aspects to deal with, with those employees that aren't sitting at a desk around the corner from you. Yeah, I think today with uh, technology, people can work from almost anywhere. There's a lot of employers now that are still skeptical or, you know, not really into the whole thing yet just because they feel that it's difficult to control the work of the employees when they're not sitting in front of them. You know, it's kind of that old mentality of like the person sitting there and you want to kind of watch over their shoulder to make sure that they're actually working all day. You pace by their desk every now and then. Yeah, exactly. Uh, make sure they're not on the internet. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, I think one of the most important challenges is definitely the communication. There really has to be a lot of communication um, from the employer in terms of what they expect at the end of the day, because it becomes much more difficult to pay somebody, you know, by the hour or for a certain number of hours when they're kind of left on their own and you can't really see what they're doing. I mean, normally people working from home will still have certain work hours, but at the end of the day, you want to make sure that you have results that you can measure their performance on to know if they're meeting, you know doing what they're supposed to be doing and meeting their goals. So some a, a written policy, I mean, if you have a policy manual or even not, you should have something as clear as possible in black and white? Yes, definitely, definitely. I mean, even in terms of the work environment where the employee is working, you have no control over that. Um, so you, you do have a right, though, to control it to a certain extent. For example, if an employee were to hurt themselves at work, at home, if that's a regular workplace, then that would still cons be considered as a CSST claim. It's obviously much more difficult um, to control the work environment when they're working from home. Are there any suggestions? I mean, you know, it's it's not as if you can install a punch clock at everybody's house. And even if you monitor their online uh, activity, uh, I don't know, Boshko, maybe you're in a better position. How can you monitor online activity if they're actually doing it? I mean, you monitor keystrokes, you monitor... How do you know they're actually working right well <laughs> with the size that we have and i think the there's a level there's a level of trust first of all between you know me and and, and the people we hire where i just I, I would never want to monitor their activity <laughs> uh just because of our size and i think you know maybe this is a, a, a for business in a maybe a little different context than ours uh it, it might be key but but i think it is important like to have key to have key results i think that's totally important and if you if you don't have that i mean 
whether or not you're monitoring, it, it doesn't matter because, you know, everyone's running around like a headless chicken. Um, so I think that, that um, and for us, like with respect to key results, it it's not that difficult. I mean, we're building products, so there are obvious results in the product that you can look for. As long as stuff gets done at the end of the day, then you're fine. Exactly. As, as measurable stuff. It can't mm -hmm. just be something intangible because then how are you going to, uh, as Bosch was saying, measure that result? Yeah. There's certain things sometimes that maybe appear more intangible. A lot of uh, one thing I see often is having sales reps working from home. It could be in different countries, uh, different cities. Um, but there's always something that you can measure. I mean, it's hard. You don't always want to go check up on the person after, but you can see how many places they called, what they, you know, timesheets, for example, that type of thing, ha to have a general idea of what the person's doing with their time. And certainly, I guess it it also it depends a lot on the culture of the company and how people interact with one another. Uh, I think that also certainly plays into it, as as we were talking about earlier. I think when we come back, we'll also talk about finding people. How are we, you know, Boshko mentioned it's sometimes difficult to find people. You have to find somebody remote. So we'll talk a little bit about recruitment uh, when we come back from the break. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD. 7.55 on Today's Entrepreneur. Our guest this evening, Boshko Maleki, Jeff Adgear, and Michel Mayette, HR specialist at Fuller Landau, uh, talking about, of course, people issues, HR issues, particularly in a technology business like Boshko's. And recruiting. Recruiting, how do you find them? What are some techniques that work that doesn't work, whether it's here remotely? Michelin, uh, maybe you can enlighten us. I think one thing that a lot of uh, entrepreneurial companies forget to do is actually plan and decide what it is that they want. You know, they don't really sit down and plan where is, you know, where are we going? What type of skills do we need? Sometimes it's great. You might get uh, a random candidate that has a skill set that you think, oh, I could actually move into this area. But, you know, for the most part, as they're growing uh, in a lot of small, medium sized businesses, even adding one person is a major decision for them. So you think this decision should be you know, planned out a little bit. They get to the point where they kind of write their ad um, and then they post and after they'll meet the candidate and say, oh, this is not really... Mm -hmm. what I need right now. So I think if they took the time beforehand, um, they would see the results a lot faster in the process. Kind of like create a real full job description? Yeah, with the prerequisites and make sure that they're realistic as well. Sometimes it could be budgetary constraints. Um, they want somebody at a high manager position, but they're going to pay somebody at, uh, you know, maybe a clerical level or a little bit more. So you know, I think they have to be realistic, too, and decide what they want or what they can get within their budget as well. And where do you find the best places to post the ads? Uh, definitely online today is, is, the best, uh, is the best place to place ads. There's uh, different sites that are available. There's some that work better than others, and it's often geographic as well. Uh, depending what city you're living in, there's certain sites that are better. People still use newspapers? <laughs> Sometimes. Um, not as often anymore, but uh, we had a couple of clients recently that wanted to post in the newspaper and they actually got they got some results from it so what about those free classified sites like craigslist or kijiji some i've heard companies get results from them but uh, a lot of companies feel like it's not going to represent themselves well by posting there so the image that it projects of their company by posting on kijiji or craigslist is maybe not going to request going to get the best level of candidate after no, and I think the most important point that Michelin raises, as as we said earlier with uh, with Boshko and Adgear, is you just got to plan ahead, and you really just can't shoot. You can't be random. You really got to say, okay, if I'm looking for this person, well, uh, you know, you want to narrow the target as much as possible. And I think as as we come to the end of the show, uh, you know, I turn to Boshko, and uh, I, I'm sure there's a number of items that he's learned over the last few years. But if there was a piece of advice that to give to today's entrepreneur, what would that be? Um, 
So surround yourself with, with great people, hopefully people who are better at you at, at what you're trying to do, or at least some aspects of what you're trying to do. And also try to be patient. It's hard. I mean, me of all, of all people know that, <laughs> I think, but, but it's, it's important. Um, that's it. I, th I think, and, and Dan, you know, the, the takeaway I get, and, and certainly I'll start with the surround yourself with great people, great talent. Boshko mentioned earlier that that's the only way you're going to make a great company. That's the only way you're really going to grow. And, and I think that's hugely important. You, a one-man show can only take it so far. You get great people around you, and that's what's going to make you flourish and make you bigger than what you can be on your own. I think the other point that, that was kind of glossed over a little bit, but came back to is, they really know their business well, and they control what they have to. In Boschko's example of, we really take care of the, the research and development tax credits, and they really get into it, and they really know it. It's because they know their business well. They're not cursory about it. They really get into it, and they control it, and they make the best out of it for themselves. And I think that's a huge lesson for entrepreneurs to learn is, you know, you might know a little bit about your business, but but that's not going to get you somewhere. You really got to know it. You can't just say, I'm okay in this. And you got to try and know as much as you can. That's what's going to really fill your pockets, make you grow, and uh, and make you a success. Boshko Milekic of AdGear. Thanks very much, Boshko. Thank you. Happy holidays. Same to you. Happy and, holidays. Uh, Michelle Mayette from Fuller Landau HR. Thanks for joining us this evening as well. Thank you very much. You can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit www.flmontreal.com. Josh, we're back here next Monday night at 7 mm, yeah, for our the, annual checkup. Our <laughs> annual checkup, our annual cookie checkup. With Felix and Norton, so st stay tuned for that. Uh, thanks very much.